from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the Wednesday night edition of the program. Our phone number, if you want to join our late night national town hall conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. And a couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, there was a drone strike in Baghdad that uh, allegedly has killed a high-ranking officer in the militia group responsible for the death of U.S. soldiers. Uh, we are going to uh, get into that in a little bit, uh, as that's a developing story. Uh, we also um, have a, a, a crash, a helicopter that crashed in California. And this is a, um, a Marine helicopter, and there, um, there's a search going on for the Marines related to that crash that happened in California. And we'll get into that. <clears throat> Plus, we have a few things that we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the, the border, the Mayorkas impeachment that failed. Speaker Johnson has vowed to um, bring it back. He says, we're definitely going to do it again. Uh, take a listen to this. Yeah, on impeachment, last night was a setback, but democracy is messy. We live in a time of divided government. Uh, we have a razor thin uh, margin here and every vote counts. Sometimes uh, when you're counting votes and people show up when they're not expected to be in the building, it changes the equation. But listen, we have a duty and a responsibility to take care of this issue. We have to hold the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security accountable. Mayorkas needs to be held accountable. The Biden administration needs to be held accountable. And we will pass those articles of impeachment. Uh, we'll, we'll do it on the next round. So, again, that's Speaker Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives, and saying we're going to do it again. And good. I mean, that's what the people need to hear, because a lot of people are very upset. And I can tell you, I, I'm not very upset, but incredibly disappointed. I thought for sure, you know, we could we could impeach a cabinet person. I mean, I understand if you're afraid to go after Biden because you could destabilize a lot of things. All right. Whatever. If you want to be gun shy about that. But come on to to. You know, for these four Republicans, for really, I think there's no good reason to not do it. I, I just don't. And I hope uh, one of those four will join us on the air and explain why when the will of the people, I mean, unless they say, look, I spoke with every member of my district and everybody said, no, 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 don't impeach my orcas. We need him. I just can't see that being the case. And anything uh, aside from that, stupid. Should get rid of my orcas and then make the case to get rid of his boss. Should be going after his boss to begin with. I think going after Mayorkas is silly. You get rid of Biden, then you could um, then you go after Mayorkas, right? Makes more sense to me that way. But anyway, we continue. We're going to talk about Israel. I want to get into that. I want to talk about what's happening with Mayorkas, what's happening with the border. And I also want to talk about this new drug. Apparently, there's something called gas station heroin. We're going to learn a little bit about that um, in a bit, in a bit, uh, a little bit further down the road. Plus, we're also going to learn about what the mafia is like inside the mafia. So I want you to make sure you stay tuned for that. That's coming up a little bit later. But right now, I want to tell you what I was doing <clears throat> as I was preparing for the show, you know, watching the news, reading my articles, 
uh, making sure I'm up to speed on everything that's going on. And I knew that my buddy, Curtis Sliwa, who was on the program the other day, I knew that he had done an interview uh, with um, Sean Hannity from the Fox News Channel. And while he was doing the interview, he was, you know, surrounded by uh, his safety patrol group, the Guardian Angels, or some members of the group. And someone that had just uh, shoplifted from a store was behind them, and they uh, attempted to detain this person. Uh, this person resisted and started, uh, you know, an altercation with them. They um, defended themselves and subdued the guy for, for the police to come and get him. And this happened all during the Hannity show, uh, like during his interview. And it was very interesting. And the news, I, I tend to watch left-leaning news to prepare because uh, I switch back and forth to get, you know, every angle of the story. So I was watching The Young Turks, and the host there uh, literally said to Curtis Lewa, he said, you better stop because somebody's going to kick your ASS. And I thought to myself, huh, this is funny because... I mean, yeah, that's obviously what the guy was trying to do, right? He was trying to, to fight these guys. Uh, but I, I think they forget what you and I know, that um, Curtis was shot five times by the mob, right? The, the, the mafia, John Gotti Jr., is, is who he claims it was, uh, put a hit on him for talking bad about him during his trial and you know publicizing his guilt on the radio in New York City and uh, trapped him in a taxi cab and shot him five times in the gut. And he nearly died. And that was a big, big, big national story when it happened. And what's interesting is that the, the, the host just seems to forget these things as if, you know, the guardian angels aren't there for that. And, and they were then, they then, the guy's name was Rashad Ritchie. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's Rashad, R-I-C-H-E-Y. And he had a, like a, a guest on. And the guest was saying, you know, I don't understand. How do they even identify that this person is a migrant? Because what do you, you have some sort of x-ray vision? Like how to, I can tell you if you've been to Times Square, I've been to Times Square plenty of times. You can totally tell who's a New Yorker and who's visiting, right? Whether they're coming from Europe or they're coming from South America, you can totally see the difference. But the way they dress, the, 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 everything. Once they start talking, you can definitely tell. So anyway, long story short, they begin to make the case that this guy was shoplifting what they say, probably food because he's hungry. And I was like, oh, that's the AOC line, right? They're just, they're just stealing bread so they can eat and feed their families. Meanwhile, they're walking out of electronic stores with, uh, you know, 50-inch TVs under their arm. I mean, it's just crazy the things that they say. And they went on to defend this guy that was being detained for breaking the law and to say that, you know, Sliwa, and he's been called this forever. There's actually a movie on Netflix called Vigilante about him. And... It's just so funny to me that that there are people and funny, hmm, not funny, haha, right? That there are people out there that literally will see things completely different than us when we're looking at the same exact thing. A guy that stole something from a store and a safety patrol group that's there to, to help the public safety doing what they've always done, you know, using nonviolent means. Um, they handcuff. That's the only thing they have on them is handcuffs. They don't carry any weapons with them. I thought it was uh, just remarkable how somebody, just for the sake of being a contrarian, just for the sake of you know trying to defend the other side, um, would go to the lengths of trying to demonize Sliwa and these guys, uh, even if they were 
right? Even if let's just say there were, there were a bunch of concerned dads walking around with baseball bats. I think most of the city would appreciate that. Maybe not the shoplifters, but the city would definitely do that. I mean, imagine if we had uh, a group like that at the border, maybe things would be a little better instead of having a, uh, uh, Mayorkas and, and then the clown show that he's created there. Anyway, folks, we're going to continue our discussion on Bi- um, Biden, on Mayorkas, on impeachment, on everything else, uh, the mafia itself, as well as this new drug that's uh, hitting the streets in uh, bodegas in New York and other places. And it's called gas station heroin. Don't go anywhere. Coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Congressman, I just had a quick follow-up for you on the border bill. You talked about how it wouldn't secure the border, the border deal. What makes you say that it wouldn't actually do anything to fix the situation? Uh, because we need past documentation of citizenship in order to prevent this pile on at the border. We do have to go, guys. So, of course, that is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also known as AOC All Out Crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, saying that uh, the way to avoid the pile on at the border is to simply give everybody a path to documentation and citizenship. Ha! Bien fácil, right? That's the easiest thing ever. I think that's one of the craziest things I've heard. And I want to talk about the border. I want to get a, 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 a also I want to talk about this um, there's a drone strike in Baghdad that uh, allegedly killed a high-ranking uh, officer of this militia group responsible for the deaths of U.S. soldiers. It's hard to believe everything you read nowadays. So I want to bring in a reliable source. Uh, you know him as a former presidential candidate, and you know him as the senator of the great state of Texas. Senator Ted Cruz, welcome, sir. Rich, great to be with you. Thank, thanks for having me. You bet. So let's, um, let's dig in here. When um, AOC... Congresswoman AOC says that uh, we have to give a pathway to citizenship. That's how we reduce things at the border. I'm thinking, A, that's just on its face, not smart. And B, I think that would cause it an even bigger onslaught because people say, wow, they're, you know, we're getting a, a free deal here. So, of course it would. And, and, and that's not an accident. That is by design. Listen, over the last three years, what we've seen under Joe Biden has been an unmitigated invasion at our southern border. We have seen over 9.6 million illegal immigrants come in, and, and it is a humanitarian disaster. It is a public safety disaster. It is a national security disaster. And the infuriating thing is Democrats, from Joe Biden to Kamala Harris to Chuck Schumer to AOC, they don't care. They don't care about the people who are dying. They don't care about the children who are being brutalized by human traffickers. They don't care about the women who are being sexually assaulted by human traffickers. They don't care about the more than 100,000 Americans who died last year of drug overdoses because of Joe Biden's open borders. And Rich, the reason I can say they don't care is because if they did care, they would change their policies and stop it They won't do that, and the reason is simple. They look at every one of those 9.6 million illegal immigrants, and they view them as future Democrat voters. And so the human suffering and misery is an acceptable price in their mind to pay for political advantage. 
Yeah, and you know, human suffering is something that is really very real. You know, when you see these videos of people, yep. um, you hear about these women getting raped and they hang their 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 panties on on the rape trees and these crazy things yep. that that occur there. And then the ones that make it, they they shuttle them to New York City to live in these big tents where the security guards are getting into knife fights with these guys. The cops can't even arrest them. The videos I'm seeing are just astounding. We look at this, and you're right, unmitigated invasion, without a doubt, and everybody's kind of covering it up. A lot of people uh, surmise that they're coming here because they're going to vote. Uh, I don't know the answer to that or not. What's your thought? Well, I think the reason that that Democrats want this to happen is they're trying to change the playing field, that that whether they vote in this election or the next one or the one after that, Democrats view every single illegal immigrant. They believe they will be a future Democrat voter at some point in time. And, and what is so incredibly cynical is, is they're willing to allow just, just massive suffering. You know, I spend a lot of time at the southern border, and, and, and I promise you, if, if you have not seen it firsthand, as bad as you think mm-hmm. it is, it is much, much worse. When you're down there, I go down to the southern border, I go, go out on midnight patrol with the border patrol, and you see, you see the dead bodies of people. Last year, 853 migrants died crossing illegally into this country. That's almost three a day that Texans are finding on their farms and ranches day after day after day. When you see, when you look in the eyes of little boys and little girls that have been horribly assaulted, sexually assaulted, physically assaulted, when you look in the eyes of women that have been repeatedly raped, nobody can defend what is happening right now. It is, it is inhumane. It is cruel. And the Democrats are just fine with it if it gives them a long-term political advantage. It's, it's shameful to say the least. Now, Senator, we, we keep seeing um, all this talk about the border bill. And uh, Trump has criticized it. Biden has praised it as if they only let me do it. If they only let me do it, then everything's okay. If they allow him to do it, we'll have a vote later. I mean, the things that he's saying are just nonsensical to me. What uh, what update can you give us on this border bill? Well, the border bill that was negotiated, the Chuck Schumer border bill, was terrible. It was an absolute disaster. It is dead. The good news is the border bill is dead. It is not going to pass. And that's good because it would have made things worse. On the face of it, the border bill codified, it put into law Joe Biden's open borders. It codified catch and release. It normalized 1.8 million illegal immigrants a year, every year from now into perpetuity. That's 6 million over the last three years under Joe Biden. In fact, there's been 9.6. So it was Republicans saying, we're good with two-thirds of Biden's open borders. That, that was <laughs> asinine and made no sense. What's up with that? Where, and, where, where does that come from? Like, I, just, I, can't, I, I don't get how you get reelected voting uh, uh, for something like that. Well, that came from Mitch McConnell. And Mitch McConnell, his number one priority, his overarching priority, is that he wants funding for Ukraine. And everything else is subservient to funding for Ukraine. And so what happened is... Chuck Schumer entered the negotiations set on not doing anything to stop the open borders. He wants this invasion because Chuck Schumer wants to be Senate Majority Leader for life. And so he wants the 9.6 million 
illegal immigrants to become 20 million, to become 30 million. And unfortunately, Republican Senate leadership so desperately wanted a deal that they were willing to give Schumer what he wanted. And that's how we ended up with with a terrible bill. That's horrible. So you guys have uh, effectively killed it in the Senate and your colleagues in the House said that it wouldn't uh, would be dead on arrival anyway. Yeah, no, no, they they kept it secret. They didn't release the the, the text of the bill right. until late Sunday night. And when they finally released it, within 24 hours, it was dead because it was indefensible on the merits. I, I led the fight against it because, look, I think it is critical we actually solve the problem. We secure the border. And I have to say, Joe Biden and the Democrats, their rhetoric, they are deliberately, blatantly lying. So, so understand some some basic facts. When Joe Biden became president. He inherited the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. Wow. What President Trump had done worked. We had largely secured the borders. And Biden deliberately and systematically broke the border. He caused this crisis, and he did it through unilateral actions. There were three decisions in particular that caused this crisis. His first week in office, he, number one, immediately halted construction of the border wall. Number two, he reinstated the disastrous policy of catch and release. And number three, he withdrew from the incredibly successful Remain in Mexico agreement. Those three decisions caused this crisis. And that means if Joe Biden wanted to fix it, he could fix it tomorrow. But he doesn't want to fix it. Instead, he's just blaming everybody else, saying that uh, somehow the Republicans are hijacking this and that Trump is is uh, steadfast at, at creating the open border that he actually created. It's just laughable, in my opinion, that they think anybody would actually believe this, because I think even Democrats don't believe it. And Democrats are also not pro open border. Uh, everywhere I go, people that usually, you know, want to get into a political debate with me that have never been on my side of the aisle. They they're all telling me well, we got to do something about the border. This is out of control. So, Senator, stick with me. Um, we're we're uh, a couple of minutes, a uh, couple of seconds away from uh, from the break. Right. When we come back, I want to um, get your take on on what's going on with um, Mayorkas. Thought we were uh, ready to go. They had impeachment managers picked, and then voila, the rug gets pulled out. Uh, and I want to get your opinion on a couple other things, folks. We're on with uh, Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. And if you want to join the convo. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. Coming right back. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Championship game would have noticed 
an unexpected and unexplained administrative timeout about halfway through the first quarter, delaying the game for several minutes. The timeout was called by security officials at MNT Bank Stadium in Baltimore when an unidentified drone flew over the stadium. It does not require much imagination to understand the significant threat such an incident could pose. So that's a Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. And while women are getting raped as they come across the border, children are being trafficked across the border, individuals are dying as they come across the border, not to mention um, Border Patrol being injured uh, along the way. He's in Las Vegas securing the Super Bowl. Open border, he's in Vegas. Our guest is Senator Ted Cruz. Senator, what do you make of this? Well, Rich, I, I will say I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. It, it, it is very difficult to find anything in the last three years Alejandro Mayorkas has done that I agree with. But you managed to find about the only thing, and that I do agree it was a security <laughs> threat to have a drone o- over the playoff game. And so, listen, I, I don't want to see a terrorist attack at the Super Bowl, and so th- that should certainly be a focus of, of the Department of Homeland Security, and, and that's part of why we have a, a DHS is, is to – fight against terrorism. But, you know, one of the best ways to prevent a terrorist attack in the United States is stop letting terrorists in at the southern border. I mean, the irony of this is is Alejandro Mayorkas has presided over the greatest national security threat to our country of our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Our southern border is wide open. When you go down and talk with Border Patrol who, who are out on the front lines, what they tell you is they have been directed to be on guard for Hamas and Hezbollah terrorists crossing the southern border, attempting to carry out an attack similar to the October 7th horrific attack in Israel. And every day our border stays open. The risks are greater and greater of more and more terrorists coming across. And I'll tell you, Rich, I think today the risk of a major terrorist attack is higher in the United States than it has been any time since September 11th, 2001. Wow. And with that being said, and the guy that's in charge of security under the president, somehow we're not with a Republican majority. We're not able to impeach the guy. I really this one doesn't make sense to me. Look, that was frustrating. That was infuriating. But I'm hopeful we'll get it fixed. So so it fell one vote short in the House. And and Steve Scalise was absent. Steve, unfortunately, has cancer and he was in, in medical treatment. So he was not there. Steve will be back, and so I am hopeful when they have full attendance, they'll do it again and revisit it and have the votes. I'm frustrated we didn't have the votes this week, but I think the House will get it done, and I think that's very important to do because what Mayorkas has has done is endangered the safety of every American by deliberately defying and flouting the law and allowing the greatest invasion of our country in the history of the United States. I agree with that. And and from your lips to God's ears, I really hope that they get it right this next time around and nobody's doing anything. uh, Yeah, me too. I I find that there's there's a lot of those games. um, And I guess they've always existed. I mean, you know, you work there. But I guess there's a time where you can do a little jockeying and, you know, some pork barrel stuff that you want to whip into things or hold out on a vote because you want some funding for your district. But then there's something important like this where I think every American's watching. And, and they're expecting that to happen. I personally think, yep. why are we even impeaching Mayorkas? Why aren't we going after Biden on the border? What do you think about that? 
Well, listen, I, I would impeach Joe Biden, too. And, and so but in my view, I think the right order is to start with Mayorkas. I've been calling for impeaching Mayorkas for over two years now. Uh, as you know, I do a podcast every week. It's called Verdict with Ted Cruz. It's Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Yeah. And with, and, with our good buddy, and, and Ben I, Ferguson. Yes, he, he and I do it together. And, and, and we have just under a million unique listeners. And so people and, and, and I've been calling for Mayorkas's impeachment for, for, for more than two years now. I think after Mayorkas, they should impeach Merrick Garland, the attorney general. And then I think after that, they should impeach Joe Biden. I think that should be the order of it. What is challenging is the House Republicans have an exceedingly slim majority. They just have a two-vote margin, and that means if any three Republicans ride for the hills, they're in trouble. And and so right. that's, you know, Mike Johnson, the new new Speaker of the House. I know him well. I think very highly of him. I think he's doing a terrific job, but he's got an insanely difficult job. You know, I would say it's like herding cats, <laughs> but frankly, that's not fair to the cats. And ah. so. You know, he's got to get the votes, and, 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 and at some point it's a question of math, so it's not an easy thing to do. But, but I hope the House continues. I'd like to see them impeach all three of them. Yeah, well, that's a fair answer, and it uh, has allayed some of my um, disdain, honestly, because I just felt like, come on, you got to show up for work, guys. Everybody's got to show up. And, and I don't mean Steve Scalise. I was talking about Ken Buck and um, the guy from Wisconsin and the other one whose name I'm forgetting yeah. that they were, were indicating otherwise. Now, regarding the uh, upcoming election, we've got um, Nikki Haley, who was just lost to none of the above uh, on, on a primary that didn't matter. And and Trump warned about this. And yet she I guess she didn't take heed to Trump's warning. Uh, th- to me, this signals I don't take my own campaign very seriously. Do you think many others are going to take it seriously after that? Uh, listen, I, I've endorsed Donald Trump. I, I think it is clear that Donald Trump is going to be our nominee. And and so I want him to win. I'm supporting President Trump in November. I think by any measure, the country was much, much better off when Donald Trump was president than it's been the last three years under Joe Biden. And, and, and so, you know, Nikki Haley, she's going to run her own campaign. She's going to make her own decisions. But I think at this point, the voters have spoken. They've made their choice, and I respect the choice of the voters. and And, and I'm focused on on bringing Republicans together. We need to unite, and we need to win in November. I love it. Now, with that being said, um, and you may not like this, but I, I've always had you on my. If, I, if this were like fantasy football, I've got you for a Supreme Court justice, uh, hopefully Chief Justice, because it's a lifetime thing, and I think we need a fighter like you forever. But I realize that would be unfair for the great state of Texas and for the rest of the Senate. Uh, but do you see um, any movement for you from the Senate uh, in the Trump administration? If he were to share my view of wanting you on the court, w- would you consider it? So, so, Rich, I appreciate that. That is that is exceptionally kind and is humbling to be discussed in that context. Um, I, I'll give you the short answer, and the short answer is no. Um, when Trump was president the last time, we had three Supreme Court vacancies, and and for all three he and I had very serious conversations about the court. And in all three instances, I said, no, I did not want to go to the court. And that surprises a lot of people. A lot of people assume that's what I want to do. And listen, I've spent much of my adult life litigating in front of the court, and I respect the court immensely. Uh, I think it is massively important that we have principled men and women serving as justices in the court. But I don't want to be one of them, and I'll tell you why. A principled judge 
stays out of political fights and stays out mm-hmm. of policy fights. If I were a judge, I'd do that. I don't want to stay out of those fights. Right, Let's that's take what you securing do. Securing the southern border. <laughs> securing the southern yeah. border is a massively important fight for this country. I am leading the fight in the United States Senate to do that. If I were a judge, you know what I'd do? I'd stop leading the fight to secure the border. I would simply apply the law, but I would not be engaged in the policy or political fight. And and so I don't want to leave that fight because I think, you know, you look at the United States Senate, there are 100 senators. But let me ask you, how many are actually standing and fighting and leading? Yeah. And it no, is distressingly small. And and so I am committed to this fight with all my heart, but 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 I don't want to be a judge. And, and I will say for your listeners, one thing to know is I'm running for reelection right now in Texas. Oh, nice. uh, I'm on the ballot this year. And I'll tell you, it is a very, very serious race. Chuck Schumer has been explicit that I am his number one target in the country. And the Democrats are going to spend more than $100 million this year trying to beat me. My last reelection in 2018 was at the time the most expensive Senate race in U.S. history. We were outraised and outspent three to one, and I won by less than three points. I won by 2.6 percent. And so I just want to encourage your listeners. Listen, this is a fight that I need your help. I want to encourage your listeners. Go to TedCruz.org right now. Go to TedCruz.org. Make a contribution. Give us 25 or 50 or 100 bucks or whatever you can, because Schumer and the Democrats are going to spend $100 million against me. And just two weeks ago, it broke that George Soros is spending millions in Texas trying Mm -hmm. to defeat me. Last time it was a three-point race. And so if you can go to TedCruz.org and make a contribution now, I give you my word, I am going to fight with every breath in my body to defend our liberty and to pull our country back from the brink. Well, I want to echo that sentiment and encourage uh, all of our listeners. And uh, being that we're one of the the biggest shows in late night, I want to encourage everybody. There's probably five million people listening. uh, Get out there and and do what what Senator Cruz is asking. I think it's incredibly important. Uh, There are very few out there that are fighting the fight like that. And uh, I I personally want to encourage you to to do the same and give what you can. Uh, TedCruz.org, right? Yep, that's it. TedCruz.org. Senator, you are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. I want to thank you for your time tonight and uh, for your candor, and uh, keep up the good fight. Thank you, my friend. God bless, and keep speaking the truth. You got it. Senator Ted Cruz, everybody, and your calls and more coming up straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. Rich Valdez with you all the way till one o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. I don't know what time you're getting me. If you're getting us on delay, thanks for tuning in and let your station know, your local station know that, hey, I love that show and I want to hear it live. 
Nothing wrong with that. Let me tell you, sometimes they get enough calls, they make uh, those programming changes. Sometimes. I got to tell you, some of the most difficult, best people I've ever met, but some of the most difficult people, uh, or I should say stern, are the program directors. Because everybody's always after them, right? The program director is the guy who decides what's on the radio and when. And people are always after them. Oh, I want to be on this time. I want to be on that time. So I think there's always a lot of um, tug of war going on. And they um, typically, you know, they have this issue. Now, I can't pull up my screen, but if you let me know what we got and where they're calling from, we'll go to the phones. All right, let's go to Al in Atlanta. Uh, What's the, uh, is that W, what's the radio station there? WGKA, that's what I thought. Uh, One of our favorite affiliates uh, in Atlanta. Al, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Uh, Yes, good afternoon. I'm I'm glad to see you, hear from you. Uh, The thing of, I would like to hit three things if I can. One, the soldiers that got killed, we shouldn't get too emotional about that because soldiers die. That was their job. When they put on the uniform, they knew the risk. Well, I think there's a risk that's inherent, right? We know um, that people can die. I mean, you know, we know that doctors can die. We know that a lot of people in in a dangerous line of work can die. Uh, I don't think that really plays into we shouldn't get emotional over it, right? I mean, they're still human beings. They're still people. And in in many situations, they're doing work. I know they're doing the work that I'm not doing. Um, So, you know, I always have a soft spot in my heart for somebody that puts on the uniform. My brother Bobby, my late brother Bobby, was a Marine. And um, I, I have a, a very special place in my heart for people that will serve this country and and are willing to die for it. Yeah, but the thing is, if we uh, go for revenge on, in a declared war, then we'll make the mistake Hitler made when he was bombing uh, the RAF. And s- instead of continuing on that focus, he started bombing uh, British cities, cities and lost focus, and then he lost the war because he gave the RAF time to rebuild. Oh, too bad for get... Hitler. But let me ask you this. What, what, what do you suggest that any nation do when their citizens are killed? Should they just say, oh, sorry, you couldn't kill more of us? No, we, we should uh, defend, but we should also act logically. We shouldn't get to the point where we, you see some guys get in a fight, they just start swinging, no focus, no strategy. And then eventually they lose. Yeah. So well, let we, me ask you this. Do you think that the United States military, which many would argue is is the most elite fighting force on the planet and probably the, the organization that exemplifies the most discipline on this planet, would would you say that they go in there without a strategy, just swinging? I know that it can turn out that way if you let yourself get emotional. I'm not saying that what happened wasn't a tragedy, but. What you have to do, the best thing for us to do is stay focused on the job, stay, stick with the strategy, and win the war. And then someone say once, the, uh, victory is the best success. If, yeah. if you win, then all those other guys that did that, you know, they don't uh, get no points. Yeah, well, I, th- I think I get what you're saying. Stay focused. And I agree with that. Like, if you're a boxer, for a little while in my life, very little, I, I did some jujitsu when I was like 15 and I started again in my late thirties and, and I hurt myself and that was that for me. But, um, that's all about technique and it's all about discipline. And if you lose your head, you get frustrated and you try to go for something that's a little too aggressive. Um, and if you get aggressive or like you're saying emotional, uh, you, you're off your game already. And, and you're right. You know, it's kind of like political debating, not what I do, but what, you know, members of Congress do. And while they might get a soundbite on television, when they get a little more extra emotional, 
the the real skill there is being able to consistently and regularly debate these policies, laws, and positions uh, day in and day out because that's what they're elected to do. And if they got emotional every time they did it, it, it would be too charged for them to do on a daily basis, right? Who could do that? So I, I understand your point. You definitely got to keep your head in the game. You got to stay focused. It's just like the cops, you know, you got to pull out your gun and you got to start shooting. You're not doing it in anger. You're doing it. You're not doing it in fear. You're doing it because that's what you're trained to do and of sound mind. Uh, I appreciate the call, my brother. Big shout out to um, Al and everybody in Atlanta, Georgia, Atlanta, the A. WGKA. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America. This is Night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. So we have been discussing lots of things tonight. And one of the things that I want to get into, and again, uh, just to backtrack for a second, um, I, I appreciated the conversation with the caller we just had, Al, in, uh, in Georgia, in Atlanta, WGKA. And... The um, the reason I appreciate it is because I, I think I initially may have misunderstood his perspective and uh, I felt slighted, right? I felt slighted for the family of military members that may be listening and I felt slighted for those uh, that that have lost family members and who, who have served and and I just thought, you know, it's it's an insensitive thing to say to not be emotional and and. I think the way I perceived what he said was that they signed up to go die, which I don't think is accurate. I think they signed up willing to die if they have to, which is very different. Uh, and, and I only put that perspective from the very short time that I, I trained in a police academy in Essex County, New Jersey, and was a volunteer cop in my town. And, and that's part of the training. And they tell you, you know, when you have this uniform on and you're in a police car, um, somebody may want to shoot you. That, that happens. People shoot cops because they hate them. And, you know, don't put that badge and uniform on if you're not willing to take the bullet because it is a reality that can happen for, for that, just that mere fact. And, and I thought, oh, that's, that's crazy and that's deep. But there's a commitment that you have to your community and you hope for the best, but you prepare for the worst. And I do think I misunderstood Al, and I think I'm glad we had the conversation. We were able to talk through it, and, you know, I, I understood it differently at the end of our conversation. He was just saying, you know, stay focused and don't get emotional because that takes you off your game. And I agree with that. You have to stay focused. And early in my radio career, I did a lot of phone work, a lot of phone work, because, uh, you know, I was Mr. Call Screener on the Mark Levin Show, and I, I talked to hundreds of people a day. And on my own radio show, I talked to a lot of people. And I would lose it. I would absolutely lose it. And people would tell me, they're going to throw you off the air. So I'm very grateful for having matured and uh, being able to listen to people that I don't always agree with. And I, and I welcome everybody that disagrees to call. All right, folks, we're going to talk about the mafia coming up. Don't go anywhere. You can get a sandwich, but you got to come right back. Don't go anywhere. Rich Valdez.
Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo, happy to be here with you this Tuesday evening, hour number two of our program. If you want to join us on our late-night national town hall conversation, give us a call. Here's the phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ, and I want to get into a couple of quick headlines before I jump into our, our overarching topic for this uh, segment. And there's a story here from ABC News. Listen to this. Mexico overtakes China as the leading source of goods imported into the United States. Let that sink in for a second. Mexico now imports more stuff into the United States than China does. incredibly clear to me that whatever Mexico is sending into the United States has fentanyl all over it. That's how they get it in. And they probably smuggle a few people here and there too. But I would bet that that's the case. And I would bet that we're all focused at the southern border, that we're not looking at the rest of what Customs and Border Patrol has to do with checking out containers that are coming in and whatnot. And this is another failure of guess who? Alejandro Mayorkas. But is it just a failure or is it complicity? Is it him and Joe Biden in cahoots? Are they sitting back like uh, like a pair of gangsters saying, all right, so we're gonna do a we're gonna do a thing here. We're gonna make everybody come to the border. They're gonna think it's immigration crisis, and then we're gonna let the cartels just do what they do with the goods at the border. And we're just gonna do it and we'll get Hunter to go and collect the money later. This is a straight up racket. They should be bringing a RICO case against Biden and Mayorkas instead of bringing it against Trump. I mean, it's like a lesson in gangsterism if we look at this. I'm surprised that these guys aren't in the mafia. And speaking of the mafia, you know, Scott Hoffman, he's got a, a book. It's called Inside. And this is a, a great book because from what I've seen, it really gives you the inner workings of the mafia. And I give you the inner workings of the Washington mafia, but this is the real mafia, right? The mafia from, from it started out in Chicago back in the twenties and, and, and continued the same guys that eventually in New York city went and shot Curtis Slewa. All right. It, they, they, they were organized crime, um, at, at the height of, uh, of, of their careers, I think until like the Russians took over in New York and they all got arrested and they brought down a lot of these crime families, but fascinating stories uh, of the mob. And this is something I grew up around because I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and we saw a lot of this. So I want to bring Scott Hoffman into the conversation to discuss the book. Scott Hoffman. Welcome, sir. Uh, Good evening, Rich. Nice speaking with you and uh, your audience. Likewise. Thank you for being with us. 
Now, I want to get into this a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about your perspective. Uh, why did you write this book? What uniquely qualified you to provide us with this information? Well, my father was high-ranking in the Chicago crime family known as The Outfit. Okay, he reported to Paul Rica. He was a manager for Paul Rica. He was a consigliere for Sam Giancana. He reported to Tony Accardo, who would be considered the you know, CEO. And in 1973, he was a consigliere for Joey Ayupo, who took over day-to-day operations. And he also had the plan for Las Vegas that led to the seven hotels, seven casinos. When I was eight years old, I started going out with him to Las Vegas, and I would go maybe five times a year. So I saw the action right away. What was that like, being a little kid, seeing the desert turn into the bright lights in the big city? Well, it was difficult because I still had a child's brain, and my father was the type of person who would go over everything like a a coach on a sports team, everything we talk about over and over and over again. Sometimes I would be at the meetings with them because to get licenses from the Nevada Gaming Commission, uh, you had to use a legit person, okay? That's why I told someone recently, it was about oh, a month ago, I was um, on a movie channel. I told them that casinos, that's not how it worked. That I can tell you, it's not how it worked, okay? Mm-hmm. And because of that, my father would have to be, meet with business people. And he would always tell them, he would always tell them, you're good in your business, you know your business, you're excellent in your business, but you bring in hotel people. You bring in hotel people to run the hotel, and we're going to be your consultants in the casino, and we're going to control the casino, okay? My father was a great believer. He said the most successful people in life will be the ones that hire the people that will make them successful in life, and don't micromanage them. Don't be a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. And the outfit at its height was bringing in a total of $200 million a year, and Las Vegas was bringing in $100 million a year. So I think you can see there was a lot of action. <laughs> How does that even make sense? I thought they were getting a percentage of the Vegas money. Sounds like they were they doubling did. the Vegas money. Yeah, well, the, the, that was not what Alfred was also doing, okay? Ah. They had so many other things going, all right? I mean, I was learning about gambling, loan sharking, extortion, money laundering, labor racketeering, adult pornography, child pornography, forging documents. Yeah, there was a way, way more than just Las Vegas. Las Vegas was a part, a big part, but that was not the action. The union activity, getting 10% each week on unions, and Chicago has a lot of unions, okay? I'll never forget, I was uh, about a year and a half after my book came out, I'm in an in-person presentation. I'm telling people that while you might not know mob people, if they touch your life, and a gentleman gets up during the question and answer period, statement period, which I always allow at the end of a presentation, in my, right. uh, in-person presentation, and he says to me, Mr. Hoffman, I, I don't, my family, no one is not in the mob, I don't know anybody, my neighbors, so how can you say I'm touched by it? And sitting next to his right was an elderly lady, I'll never forget this, and she taps him very lightly on her hand, on his arms, and says, Jimmy Hoffa, Teamsters. He said, now I understand. Because what it is is that the Teamsters could shut down a city. No groceries would be delivered. No medicines would be delivered. Nothing would be delivered. They could shut a city down. So in Chicago, and Mayor Richard J. Daley was the mayor, 
He always mm-hmm. made sure that Bill Lee, who was head of AFL-CIO, was always on the dais for any political dinners or anything that involved political activity. But the outfit had so much going, so much. Uh, my father, when Tony Accardo took over in 1943, he said, here's how we're going to expand the operation. We're going to get cities report to us, okay? So that's how Milwaukee reported to Chicago, Des Moines reported to Chicago, Minneapolis reported to Chicago, St. Louis reported to Chicago. In 1957, Los Angeles reported to Chicago. And I went to school in Long Island University, and I had to come up with the room and board, and I worked Colombo crime family, Lucchese, and Bonanno. And the Lucchese is where I worked the restaurant, the suite. It was in Queens. It was owned by Henry Hill. But the real Tommy, Tommy Simone, who was very psychotic. We were the same age, because in those days, the drinking age was 18. And Tommy's uncles worked for the Los Angeles mob and knew my father, and I knew them. And Tommy says to me, says, uh, I said, you know, I think I know, oh, know your uncles. He said, what, do you, what the F are you talking about? That's how Tommy was. He was a real hothead. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I says, well, call one of your uncles and see. So he calls one of his uncles in, in Los Angeles and says, yeah, listen, don't start with the outfit. Don't ever start with the outfit because they can put more guns on the street than anybody. And they're going, they're doing so much. You do what this, guy, this guy's telling you, to, you do what they tell them. So me and Tommy got along real, real good after that conversation. <laughs> okay, real good. Let me remind everybody that we're on with Scott Hoffman. He's the author of the book Inside. And Inside is a story about being inside the mafia and what it was like for Scott to grow up in the mafia in the 1950s and the 60s in Chicago. And he was just sharing about uh, how he had uh, gotten his job with the Lucchese crime family in New York as he was at Long Island University. Scott Hoffman, stick around. I want to come back right there, pick up where you left off, and learn a little bit more about... um, if you chose to fully go in your dad's footsteps or how you decided to go right when we come back, don't go anywhere. This is America at night with rich Valdez. Call now eight, three, three, four Valdez. That's eight, three, three, four, eight, two, five, three, three, seven, eight, three, three, four Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. America, welcome back. And we're on with Scott Hoffman. He's the author of the book Inside, and it's a, a very telling tale of what happened when uh, he grew up inside the mafia. His dad was a consigliere for the outfit, uh, notorious Chicago uh, organized crime uh, family. And he makes his way over to New York. He's in college. And Scott Hoffman, let's pick up where you left off. Okay, here's the, here's the thing. Where most people, most guys go into mob life when they're 16 years old, they drop out of high school. You know, some don't even go to high school. Some might be a little older. 
but their expectations of what they think mob life is not really what mob life is about. When I talked about Las Vegas before, Las Vegas and Florida were open. And those were the only places that were open where mob families could operate, okay? New York never really wanted to come too much into Las Vegas. They had the Tropicana, but that was about it. My father met with Carlo Gambino, and Gambino says, you guys run Vegas, we'll, we'll stay in New York, okay? So I got to remember that when I was, I never had birthdays as a kid. I never had a bicycle. My father never took me to a baseball game. But when I'm nine years old, I was, happened to be on my birthday, and, and I thought I'm getting a birthday present from Sam Giancana, and I'm seeing my first mur- murder. Okay, I'm nine years old. Oh, shoot. Okay, this is what's going on. And it How wasn't even go? about. Walk us through it. It wasn't even about a mob murder. What had happened was when I came home from school that, that, uh, about 3.30, I lived a block from the grammar school because I had to fit in with the kids in the neighborhood, okay? I could never talk to anybody. And my father's got Chuck English who drove, was a driver for uh, Sam Giancana. Says, he, my father says, uh, Sam's got a, a uh, birthday present for you. And I was all real excited because when you never have birthdays or, or parties or anything, you know, to hear that, boy, he's got a gift for me. So anyways, we go to pick him up. Sam, uh, Chuck English picks him up in Oak Park, which is a close-in suburb. And then we drive to Cicero, okay? And we get in front of a bank. Now, in those days, there was no branch banking. The banks closed at 4, but the workers would stay till at least 5. On Friday, the bank would be open till 6, and on Saturday till 1. Okay, so the banker's coming out, right? And... Sam Giancana, and this is another thing, I had to learn mob speak, okay? He goes and he puts three in the hat, and three in the hat is three in the back of the head, okay? Oh. <laughs> okay? And he comes back in the, in the car, and he says to me, Scott, no one ever gives me bad financial advice. So then he takes off the uh, silencer from the 22, and the si- he had Chuck English rev up the engine because the silencer is not completely silent. That I'll tell you. It never is. So you need some background noise. And he had Chuck English rev the engine up during the shooting. And he takes off the silencer and he says, take it. You got to get rid of it. Get rid of it. And I didn't, you know, I'm nine years old. I'd never seen a silencer. I didn't even know what a silencer was being used for until that night. Okay. So I put it in my winter coat in my pocket and uh, I get home. We have the Chicago Daily newspaper and I wrap it up. And the next morning, I figure, well, okay, I'm going to go out real early. There's a box factory with that, that has a dumpster, and I'll just throw it in the dumpster. And I had taped everything up in the newspaper. So I get up about 5 o'clock, and I was, uh, you know, the type of kid that was, uh, you could, didn't have to worry, was going to lose stuff. So they gave me a key, and I was originally maybe the original latch key kid because I'm wearing it around my neck. So I go out, put it in the dumpster, come back home. I'm opening the door, and my father's standing there. And he says, how did you like Sam's birthday present? And I says, well, <laughs> it really wasn't a birthday present. He says, Scott, remember what I told you from the beginning? You're going to see everything in mob life, everything. And then you're going to make your own decision if that's what you want to do. I'm not grooming you. Cause this is at nine years old. Yeah, okay, at nine. So this is what he's telling me, because this is how it's starting out. And uh, so I, I say to him, I said, uh, well, I says, I, I, I don't know. You know, I really don't know. And he says, well, you're going to see everything. 
when I was 11. So he started sending me out with juice collectors and street enforcers. And the juice collectors were ca- uh, collecting gambling money or they were collecting loan sharking money. And the street enforcers were collecting the street tax that was on the businesses, okay? And what the public doesn't know is these guys, why they were so aggressive. It was more than baseball bats. I saw guys beaten with two-by-fours, bicycle chains, police batons, golf clubs. You pretty much, uh, uh, you small little hand, uh, like a hand jack type of things from a car. Yeah. And the reason that was is because guys would get 50%. They'd get half. Whatever they brought in, they got oh, half. Wow. Okay? It's just like shooters. You know, you hear people say, oh, there's going to be a contract. No. They didn't get paid for it. Okay? That was part of their job, like their job description. Just like you would have a job description of what you would do, that's what they had. The only time they would get paid is if a number was put on a guy's head, like what happened to Johnny Carson. And you don't have the time to, you know, your show is not long enough for that story. And that's a big story. Okay? But if there's not a number on a guy's head, that was your job responsibility. And my father arranged the hits, and I was with my father. Okay? And, and the shooter would always say, do you want a confessional or do you want a confirmation? And the confessional was, do you want the body found? And the confirmation was, you don't want the body found. They'd always ask that question. So after that, my life is continuing because when I'm 11 years old, the guy owes juice money, and he was still alive when this happened, and they had all the plastic on the floor, and they cut off both his hands, okay? Both his hands were cut off when I was 11 years old. Now, when I'm 12, the same guy who cut these guys' hands off, does the same thing to somebody else, except he's taken his head off, okay? He decapitated, and his head was put in a box and sent to somebody. Did, okay? did this stuff, uh, were you afraid when you were seeing this, or was it normal? Uh, I think I'd be freaked out. I was scared. Like I tell people, I have a lot of emotional scars that never, ever go away. When yeah. I wrote Inside, I had retired from the city of Chicago and. uh in June 30th, uh, 2012, after 35 years of service. I'm glad you're all right. Scott, I don't mean to cut you off, but we're going to run out of time. I want to uh, let everybody know how they can get a copy of this riveting book. All right. The way you get a copy of the book is you go to Amazon. You put in my first name, Scott, S-C-O-T-T, middle initial M. You have to put that in. Last name, Hoffman, H-O-F-F-M-A-N. And put in the title of the book, Inside, Inside. and you will see it. Go check it out. Scott M. Hoffman. The book is called Inside. Scott, I appreciate it. Going to bring you back. It sounds like you've got stories for days, and I'm looking forward to hearing more. Folks, we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, America. Uh, I'm happy to be back with you. And I want to talk about something that I saw this and it it blew me away. Gas station heroin. Apparently, that's the name of a new dietary supplement that is alarming health officials. Now, they call it Neptune's Fix. And it's because it has an ingredient called tyaneptide. I'm pretty sure I'm mispronouncing that, but that's what, or tyaneptine, excuse me. 
And uh, they call it gas station heroin, often sold as a dietary supplement and promoted by retailers as a mood booster and a focus aid. Uh, Tyaneptine is among a growing unregulated class of potentially addictive products available in gas stations, convenience stores, smoke shops, and on the Internet. And they typically include synthetic pharmaceuticals and plant-based substances such as um, kratom and fenibut. Never heard of these things. I have no idea what this is, which apparently can be addictive. And in rare cases, they can be fatal. Now, they often originate in other countries, including Indonesia and Russia, where they're commonly used, even prescribed for food management. But the FDA in the United States doesn't approve these as medicines. Now, I always think of the FDA in many ways as a racket. You know, if they want to approve something, they do. If they don't. And I think we saw this during COVID, right? During COVID, there was a lot of talk about um, ivermectin. And all of a sudden, you know, everybody was saying, worked for me. I was doing great. But everybody who was asking for it, very few doctors were able to get it for their patients. They were, pharmacies weren't filling the prescriptions. It was just a big thing. And to me, that just seemed like a, uh, mafia more than a government agency. But I want to learn more about gas station heroin and talk about gut health and digestion and uh, some of the supplements that I take, right? I take omega-3s and some other things. And I want to do that with our friend, Dr. Udo Erasmus. Doc, welcome back. Hey, glad to be on, Rich. Happy to happy to have you on, sir. And yeah, this is, um, be, this, we're going to have fun here. <laughs> oh, I bet we are, because I know this is right up your alley. What do you know about this gas station heroin being sold as a dietary supplement? Um, I know a little bit about those kind of uh, compounds. Uh, the... Uh, Tyneptine is a synthetic, so you have to ask who's making it, because somebody's making it and making money on it. Kratom, on the other hand, is more natural, and so is Fenibut. It's also a natural uh, substance. And these are uh, and like habit-forming? Uh, they, they can be habit-forming, although, you know, addiction has, on the one hand, there can be withdrawal symptoms that are physiological, but some people have withdrawal symptoms because they're more mental, habitual, psychological. They are addictive personalities. You know, they get into something right. and then they get stuck in it. So you have to look at both of those. Um, um, and the people who are drawn to them, you, they might, to some extent, be more psychologically addictable. And mm -hmm. addiction as, as, a, as a whole field you know, uh, there's a guy who works with trauma, and one of the, his sta statements is that he says, we punish addicts for having been abused as children. And he says, when you get into their, their story and you listen to what they have to say, right. they are like pretty much all of them were abused or, you know, got hardships that they couldn't deal with, that they felt abused. And then they turned to, you know, and so they felt bad and they, they, they didn't feel good about themselves. And it's, it's more, it's, it's a better life to be high than to be depressed or to be low all the time or to not feel good about yourself. And if people, if, it, if being, if living normal is not, doesn't feel as good as being high on something, then a lot of people will choose being high on something. And what we're missing in all of this, including the counselors, 
that do the addiction counseling. There is something that is higher, the highest high for a human being is to be fully present in all of their existence, right. in all of their being, in all of the space that their body occupies. Because there's peace in the core of that. There's unconditional love throughout your body that's taking care of your body. It's called life. Life is actually unconditional love for the body. And then, you, then when you feel loved like that, and it's light because it's solar energy that is your life, it radiates and you get inspired, and inspiring is the shine into the world. But when you feel like that, you don't need a drug. And drugs will actually take you down from that state. Right. So, now, so then the question you have to ask, if you want to be big and philosophical about it, why are we not encouraging every human being on this planet to take the time to become fully present in the incredible gift of life they were given because then they don't need the drugs anymore. Outstanding. Okay? So, that's, so that's so, and that's a, and that's a good question. And why is it that we, you know, because when we were in our mother's womb, we were actually in that state because there was no place to go, there was nothing to do, uh, everything was taken care of, and it was pretty safe. And so what, what, what we're doing in the, in the room? Well, it was completely boring, because there's nothing going on. Except <laughs> but you, you didn't know what you were missing. The body was getting built, right? But where right. was a focus at rest inside, in life, and beyond that, in awareness, in peace, in love. And sometimes you see a fetus, you know, a picture of a photo of a fetus, and there's this little smile on his face, and then it, you know, and then it's just hanging out, it's just yep. hanging true, out. True joy. And then we come out into the world, and we get disconnected from that state because we have to get to know the world. That's a natural process. And we, and then the 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 culture. If we were a a really well functioning culture, we would then have done our homework to find our way back to that. We usually do that through some kind of a stillness practice. So we would then encourage our children to also learn to do a stillness practice, to reconnect with themselves, to get into that high state. You know what? It's not high like, like you're weird and hallucinating. It's just high. You're high on life. You feel good. You're, you're up. You're, you're, you're joyful. You know, and you're, but at the, at the same time, you're grounded in the world. So why aren't we doing that? And because that's the thing that the entire world is waiting for, and that will change. Uh, that will change how we live together on a planet. Now we're in a place where so much corruption is showing up, and that's the sign that this is all going to fall down and has to be replaced. And we need to be in a place where we can replace it with, with something because we've done our homework to get make, to that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I've, just, I've just solved all of the problems in the world. <laughs> uh, folks, we're on with Dr. Udo Erasmus, and uh, he's got his upcoming book coming out, Your Body Needs an Oil Change. And he's uh, the author of a number of books. You can check out his website, udoerasmus.com. And... Um, Dr. Erasmus, a PhD in nutrition. He's got a master's in counseling psychology and, um, just a, a great take on things as we're discussing this, uh, heroin, uh, the gas station heroin. 
And uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Erasmus and learn a little bit about uh, his book. We're also going to learn a little bit about why the gut health is so important. Something that I um, heard a lot, like I mentioned in my opening about uh, during COVID, was ivermectin and how it is a um, an anti-parasitic and that was somehow helping people uh, with with COVID. And some were suggesting that because um, it was anti-parasitic, that it suggested that COVID was a parasite, not a virus. And I don't know the ins and outs of all of that, but I do know that a lot of people um, take um, ivermectin on a regular basis for all sorts of ailments uh, because they say that it's all about gut health. And if you take it and many things are ultimately parasites, I don't know how true or accurate or inaccurate that is, but we're going to get the scoop from Dr. Udo Erasmus when we come back. And of course your calls and more 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at night with Rich Valdez. Call now 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Mr. Call Screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, Familia, welcome back, amigos. We're on with Dr. Udo Erasmus. He's the author of the book, Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. And Dr. Erasmus, I want to um, get your uh, take on, on, I guess, eventually gut health, but right now, primarily on, does ivermectin, um, is... Is the fact that it's anti-parasitic is the reason that so many people find it to be so wonderful? And are these ailments uh, primarily um, parasites? Uh, that's, you know, that's probably stretching it. I know yeah. ivermectin got a Nobel Prize. It's been used around the world for, in Africa particularly, for river blindness, so f- for infectious organisms. Yeah, like malaria and, and it, whatnot. And it, yeah, and it works like an antibiotic and it was it was isolated from a bacteria so it's a it's a kind of a natural substance Hmm. um why why it worked why it worked in in COVID, i have no idea because i'm not an expert on that and i didn't get into that my question about all of this stuff is always what do we need to do to make the immune system so strong that whatever comes at it, it can deal with it. And that means because the immune system is made out of food, water, and air, just like the rest of the body, it means if you optimize your nutrition, 
and you drink clean water and you don't poison yourself with drugs and garbage and pesticides and plastics and industrial chemicals. And if you make sure digestion works, then you're going to have the best possible immune system. And then it's not about pro-vax or anti-vax. Then it's about, okay, well, this thing comes at me through my nose, through my eyes, through my mouth. How do I pick it off? And I do it with... uh, I do it with digestive enzymes. I actually chew them up and they will digest the protein coat off any virus that has a protein coat. And most of the viruses have protein coats. Puts it out of commission before it even gets into my cells. What, what type put, of uh, digestive enzymes are you talking about? Uh, they're, the digestive enzymes I work with, I work with uh, we call it uh, Flora is the company that makes it. And the enzyme blend is called Advanced Adult Enzyme Blend. It has a lot of protease in it, and protease digests protein. And it'll digest protein. I mean, if, if you chewed a lot of those, the, your tongue would tingle because ultimately, eventually, it will digest the protein in your tongue, just like pineapple does when you eat raw pineapple. Oh, right. It has that acidic property. Yeah, yeah. It's not acidic. Those are enzymes in the pineapple. That are, ah, that are digesting your protein you. in your tongue. And wow. so when you get that tingle, you stop eating it, right? Yeah. And, and so the, that's what proteases do. That's the one we know the best. You know, you eat too much pineapple, your tongue, tongue tingles. Well, pineapple will take uh, digest, proteins, uh, digest proteins off viruses too. Um, but we use digestive enzymes that are made by microorganisms. Because they are they're more stable and they work work exceptionally well, so uh, so that's one one of the things I've been doing and I have not had a cold. The second thing is uh, most of the people who did not do well and in winter most of the reason why people get colds and flus is because it's not cold and flu season it's vitamin D deficiency season. Uh-huh. So when the sun is low on the horizon you don't get the sun rays that make vitamin D in your skin. And plus, we live indoors so much. Plus, we cover most of our, our body. We don't run around naked. Well, vitamin D deficiency makes cold and flus nail you. So what do you do? I take 10,000 units of vitamin D a day. I have not had a cold for four years. Nice. I don't get anything. And that's like new for me because I didn't take that much vitamin D before. It's only 15 years ago that vitamin D was shown to be much more important than we thought it was and to be really important for respiratory, cardiovascular, and immune system. And so, and then the other other thing about it is if you take digestive enzymes with your food to replace the enzymes that are in raw foods but are destroyed when you cook foods, then you actually take a load off your digestive system which frees your immune system to do its other jobs. Because if your digestion isn't working, the immune system has to get involved. Then it gets tied up in digestion, and then it isn't free to do its other job. Wow. One of Folks. which is to go after viruses and inflammatory proteins and, and uh, damaged tissues and healing and all of that kind of stuff. We're on with Dr. Udo Erasmus talking about uh, proteins and talking about the digestive system and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about omegas and um, omega-3 is the one uh, that I like. And uh, I want to learn a little bit about that because uh, I find it works really well for focus and for a number of other things, I suppose. They say it's good for heart health and whatnot, but I find um, I'm more focused when I take it. So I'd like to get your take on that when we return. Plus, uh, the phone number, 
833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's the number. Open Phone America is coming up in just a few minutes. We're going to wrap up with Dr. Udo Erasmus. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, amigos, welcome back. And we're wrapping up with Dr. Udo Erasmus. And he literally wrote the book, uh, the book on total sexy health, the eight key steps designed by nature, uh, because everybody wants to feel attractive and, and present and admirable and noticeable and, and feel good about themselves, especially as we're approaching Valentine's Day a week from now. Dr. Erasmus, uh, tell us a little bit about these eight key steps and, and you know, your best advice for Valentine's Day. Oh, God. <laughs> you, got, you got two hours? <laughs> <laughs> We'll definitely have you back if you don't finish. I need two hours for. Okay, so basically, how you get sexy. Sexy just means attractive, full-on, vital, vibrant. You know, we're not talk, just talking about having sex. We're talking. This, it's a, right. It's a. It's a power word. Feeling. Well, amazing. how you get the how you get the most vibrant is if you're fully present in all of your being. And the eight parts are awareness, internal awareness. That's where your peace is. That's your foundation. Then there's life energy, that's unconditional, empowering love for your body. It's a flow, and it, you know, and, and when you feel that, you feel loved and cared for, and when you feel that, it shows, it radiates. So that inspiration, that's number three. Number four is the physical body, that's food and fitness and sleep and digestion and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, then number five is Protect, protective mind or survival smarts. And then number six, now we're talking outside the human body, social group, yeah. you know, pick your friends who are encouraging, you know, who, who keep you straight, but support you and encourage you as well. And then so uh, the natural environment, you know, nature is really healthy to be around and mm-hmm. hang around in. And then the big picture the fact that you're a, a terminal condition in an infinite universe and coming to accept that and be okay with that while wow. you live. Those are the eight parts. Well, let me remind everybody where they could learn more about that in all of your books, including uh, Fats That Heal and Fats That Kill. Go to udoerasmus.com. That's U-D-O-E-R-A-S-M-U-S.com. Doc, I appreciate you being here. Godspeed to you. Can I give one more thing? Florahealth.com. And check that out as well. Folks, we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, 
Here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to hour number three of the program, Wednesday night. I think I said Tuesday night in the last hour, so forgive me if I did. <laughs> I'm always a day behind. And our phone number, if you want to join the late-night national town hall conversation, we're talking about a number of things. We talked about the mafia tonight. We talked about um, gut health and uh, ivermectin and a million other things uh, related to health. And um, we had a really robust conversation with Senator Ted Cruz on the border and Mayorkas and a lot more. And that number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. I'm looking forward to hearing from some of our regulars tonight uh, on some of these things we discussed. And also from anybody that's new, if you've always been thinking about calling the show and you've never called, I'd love to chat with you uh, because I think it's, you know, it's important to be part of the national conversation, right? And... Of course, if you disagree, if you disagree, we'll move you right to the front of the line because I love to have a conversation with people that have a differing view. Um, that's kind of how we, we do what we do. So, again, 833-4-VALDEZ is the number there. Now, some of the headlines I was talking about earlier that are going on in the world tonight. Um, let's see. Let's see what's updated and what's new. Bear with me. Well, we got the... Hunter business uh, partner, ex-business partner, Tony Bobulinski, he is set to testify in the Biden impeachment inquiry. That should be interesting because every time he opens his mouth, it's pretty interesting. He says things like, no, Hunter did call his dad and say that his dad, who is vice president, could help us get this, this, this and this and help us get deals with these countries and et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and he felt that there was an abuse of power and that's why he's speaking out. So we got that one. Uh, then we've got. Biden apologizing for calling uh, Hamas something else. He apparently forgot the name of Hamas. And, and he, you know, he had to apologize after forgetting that. Check this out. There is some movement, and I don't want to, I don't want to, well, maybe choose my words. There's some movement. There's been a response from the, uh, the, the there's been a response from the opposition, but um, it, it, yes, I'm sorry, we're from Hamas, but it seems to be uh, a little over the top. We're not sure where it is. There's a continuing negotiation right now. That is our president, uh, ladies and gentlemen, president of the United States, President Joe Biden. Uh, stumbling over the name Hamas when he was uh, delivering a speech urging Congress to pass the border security and foreign aid bill that was released earlier this week and defeated in the Senate, as we heard from Senator Ted Cruz earlier tonight. And he was speaking from the White House, and he was beaten up on President Trump for, um, you know, opposing the, uh, the border deal, which would cost $118.3 billion dollars. And apparently that's what you need to to slow down the borders, $118 billion. And that's a compromise uh, in the Senate. I'm glad that that's not working there. And I'm glad uh, for the work that uh, Cruz and the rest of the conservatives are, are putting in. And it, it, it's funny that Biden has to, you know, go out of his way and, and you know, A, he was just stumbling. He was stuck, right? 
uh, there is some movement. Uh, uh, there is some movement. And it was a reporter that chimes in and says, Hamas? <laughs> and he's like, yes, I'm sorry from Hamas. And again, this is not about he's old and it's a gaffe. To me, this is you're talking about people that have waged war on an ally of ours and that we I think the world is expecting us to to be the quote unquote adult in the room. And the adult in the room here is Grandpa Joe. Now, this is not ageism from my part. There's a lot of people in his age group that are incredibly competent, very competent people. He's just not one of them. Now, I'm not saying he's incompetent, but not competent enough for the task. Right. He's competent to, to be a uh, talking head on TV for three or four minutes. He's competent to uh, devise political schemes because he knows Washington like the back of his hand. He understands the Senate. Now he understands the White House. He gets politics from that. You know, as a machine, crooked politician, he knows how to scam that money. It's the same play. Right. Yeah, we'll get him foreign aid. We'll do whatever. Get Hunter to go and collect it. It's the same play over and over. But ultimately. When you can't even remember the thing, you say, oh, yeah, you know, the thing, man. This is a recurring event, and it doesn't inspire any confidence. And I, I feel you have to at least be able to communicate well to your public, to your constituency, to the citizens of the United States that are looking to you as their president. And this just was not his finest moment. So uh, I'm not I'm not a big fan of Joe Biden, as you know, but. I think he can do a lot, a lot at the border. There's plenty he can do, and he's just not doing it. He has command of the military, and he doesn't do anything. In fact, he's sent some National Guard there to help in administrative capacity, and we've seen on video what they've done is open up holes or doors in the uh, border fencing to let people in. They're assisting the Border Patrol, who's also letting them in. They're not patrolling anything anymore. And I say this all the time. They've turned our border agents into travel agents. They process them quickly. They say, where do you want to go? New York, Chicago, whatever they're sending them, uh, San Francisco. And they send them. And that's it. In a neighborhood near you pretty soon, one of those tent cities. Just It's crazy what's going on. 9.6 million people in, in Biden's watch. How he gets reelected, I don't know. I don't think there's going to be too many people that can that will believe that um, Trump is uh, Satan incarnate enough to believe that, that that Joe Biden would do a better job at this. So anyway, let's go to uh, Doc Wilmington, Delaware. It's open phone America. Doc is calling us from WDEL. Doc, what do you say about the border? Well, number one, thanks for having a great show. Number Thank two, you. thanks for taking my call and allowing me to vent my spleen on national radio. <laughs> Only you would do that in the, in the tradition of Jim Bohan and Larry King. Amen. Here's what I think we should do. Um, here's, here's the problem. Both parties are to blame for this. The, the Democrats want a permanent constituency of Latino migrants south of the border that they can put on welfare and, and all these federal programs. Okay. The Republicans want them as cheap labor to break the unions. Okay. It's a marriage made in hell. Somebody in this country, Ross Perot did it and Patrick Cannon did it. And Donald Trump has done it. Has got to call both parties out on this issue. Well, if Donald Trump gets in office, what he has to do is copy the Israelis. He has got to militarize that border. He does not need tens of thousands of troops down there. The Israelis have a perfect border control. Sometimes they have a wall. Sometimes it's barbed wire fence. Sometimes it's dirigibles, and sometimes it's watchtowers. We've got to consult with the Israelis, and we have got to copy them. They have the most 
um, shall I say, dangerous border in the world between them and the Palestinians on both sides. So what we've got to do is, is to my mind, consult and copy, CNC, consult and copy with the Israelis and see what they have to tell us. And, and if we have to pay some consultants to come over here, and our guys go over there, so be it. If Trump gets in office, that's what I'd like to, like to see him do. What say you, Rich? Well, you know, Doc, I think I think I agree with you on using the military. I think we need that. Dude. We're, we're at that stage. You're talking about 10,000 people a day, 8,000 people a day, 12,000 people a day. How do you manage that type of crowd control uh, unless you have an army? So I think, yes, we need the military at the border. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it would not hurt to, to you know, get some best, best practices from the Israelis. But I can say... The safest, most secure border we've had in uh, what uh, Senator Ted Cruz just pointed out a little while ago in 45 years uh, occurred during the years that Trump was in office. So I think Trump already has created a formula, a uh, three pronged formula, and Cruz pointed it out. Two of the main pieces being the um, uh, MPP, the uh, Remain in Mexico uh, my, my, Migrant Protection Program where they keep them in Mexico before they even bring them here. And the other one being to end the catch and release practice. And I, I agree with that. I think that's a great thing. And that would greatly minimize you put that with a strong military presence and you erect whatever barrier that you can. And again, people who say the wall doesn't work. Look, if you've got to walk an extra mile, three miles, four miles, it may not stop you, uh, but it will stop somebody somewhere when they know there's more fencing going up. It also, um, it, it brings to um, to light. I don't know if it's on my uh, cut sheet for today. Uh, if it is, you guys let me know. But there was um, somebody, I think one of the members of Congress, was saying that the minute you start actually deporting people actively, they they will stop coming. And, and I agree with that. I think if you go to New York City and you pull up, you know, I don't know, 100, 200, three, you know, whatever you need, uh, um, ice vans, and say, all right, folks, in the migrant shelters, We've changed our policies. You're going to have to go back and reapply the right way. And and that will make national headlines. They will say Trump is a dictator. Trump is a xenophobe. He hates uh, everybody that's Hispanic. He's he's taking them out. He's stealing the American dream from them. They're going to say lots of things. But you know what? The message will get across the world very quickly. And it's got to get to China because uh, 60 Minutes just did her piece. And they showed video that the largest or fastest growing population of people coming across that border right now is Chinese men. And I think that is a huge concern. And it's not that I don't like the Chinese. I think they're terrific. Uh, the, the issue is that we have issues with China and you really got to ask yourself, what is going on with that? So when uh, these folks, these folks in Congress, like James Lankford say, we got to start deporting people. I think he's been wrong on the idea of, we have to um, allow 5,000 people a day. But on this, I think I agree that we should definitely start deporting some people. Check this out. The speaker uh, essentially took a one quick look at the bill and immediately dismissed the, the legislation out of hand. What's your response to how Speaker Johnson has, has handled this all? Uh, obviously, he's trying to be able to deal with a raucous caucus, and he's going to continue to be able to work to be the Speaker of the House and to continue to be able to find consensus among leaders. The House leadership immediately came out and said, hey, they oppose this. I've had quite a few House members that have reached out to me directly and said, hey, I'm reading it, and there's actually a lot of very helpful things here. This is an area that some people just have a difference of opinion. So 
Some people say if we can't do everything, we should do nothing. And there are others that say if we can make some progress in key areas, as you played the tape on earlier of the speaker in the hallway saying the key things that Border Patrol and other folks are telling us they need, they need a change in asylum, need a change in parole, and they need to catch and release. That's actually the exact target of this bill itself. We change the asylum process, make it much more difficult, which turns around people faster. Uh, we focus in on the parole issues that are being abused right now, close down those lanes of abuse on the border, and then we deal with the catch and release. That is why the National Border Patrol Union came out today and endorsed it and said why this bill is not perfect and we need more. It does make real progress, and they see this as a way to dramatically slow down the numbers that are coming across the border, because once you start actually deporting people, the flood stops at that point. People are going to pay $10,000 to a cartel to just get deported, and that's what would happen under this bill. We would detain and deport in a much faster process. I'll do. All right, so check this out. So, and of course, we we heard from AOC earlier, and I'll play that on, on the way back from this break. But, uh, Doc, when it comes to what Langford is saying, I think, yes, we have to deport these people. We have to, and again, you don't get them all, right? But you make a concerted effort, and you let them know we're not doing this anymore. It's just got, like if... Uh, if one prosecutor in San Francisco, you know, the DA, um, Alvin Bragg, you get rid of them and you get a new one or you pressure them to do the right thing, to stand up and say, we are not allowing anybody to run inside another um, convenience store, pharmacy uh, or any other type of business and steal up to nine hundred and forty nine dollars before we arrest you. We're going to arrest you. We're going to throw away the key. We're not going to say you were feeding your family for bread. This lawlessness must stop. And when you bring that type of approach, people pay attention. But right now, the only message being sent is Joe Biden and this message of weakness that we, we're, we're, you're allowed to kill Americans overseas. You're allowed to sneak into our country and we'll invite you. We'll open up the doors for you. I'll send the military to help you in with a rope. You got to see the videos that are out there, Doc. It's absolute insanity. Stick around. We're going to continue our conversation with our callers all across the country. Doc in Wilmington, Delaware on WDEL. Thank you for the call. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America, welcome back. We continue our conversation on all the topics we've been discussing tonight. We talked about gut health. We talked about something called gas station heroin. It's a bunch of uh, plant-based uh, supplements that they put together and apparently gets you high. And uh, of course, we talked about how dangerous the border has become. And uh, we're going to take your calls on that as well. And if we talked about the mob. If anybody wants to weigh in, I thought that was my favorite, honestly, tonight. I had a, a fantastic time talking about the mob. I was enthralled. We ran out of time, and I was like, oh, shoot, we don't have any more time to talk about the mob. I thought that was good. Anyway, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to Tommy, Charleston, West Virginia, WCHS. Tommy, go right ahead. 
Uh, Mr. Valdez, uh, thank you for uh, uh, continuing a tradition in this program. Uh, uh, the gentleman, Doc, from Delaware made mention uh, of uh, one thing you've done, which is, you know, do a good job on the issues of the day. Let me uh, say that you do what your uh, predecessors have done. You do something offbeat, something different that I'm not uh, hearing other places, like the guy who, uh, the doctor on gut health, uh, mm -hmm. when you talked about enzymes and such. I really enjoyed that segment. Thank you. Because uh, I <laughs> have this struggle myself. And let me say to anybody else who's got it, mango juice, pineapple juice, mangoes and pineapples fresh, of course. They're loaded with enzymes, all natural, all good for your gut, and they've been helpful to me. Uh, uh, and uh, I think they uh, might just be helpful to someone else, you know. Uh, I think that's a great yeah. idea. I'm, I'm, I, first of all, I love mangoes. So, uh, you know, mangoes grow on, on trees in the backyards of people's homes in Puerto Rico. And uh, I'm, um, I'm, I'm always, I wish mango was always in season so I could have it. But I think that's good advice. And uh, I, I definitely appreciate the compliment. Did you want to say something else, Tommy? Uh, to, just uh, to continue in the vein, mangoes, yep. number one. Apples are number two. Fruit most consumed on planet Earth. Uh, mangoes, where it's warm, you got mangoes if you want to grow them. And uh, we don't understand because uh, these historical factoids get lost because right. they're uh, tomatoes, all from Central America, Mexico, Yucatan. It was a wildflower transplanted to the Mediterranean nations. Why? Wow. Warm and you know, you know what's interesting? Um, New Jersey is very famous for tomatoes uh, now, right? And um, it's interesting how they, you know, they, they flourish in some areas, and people are still importing them when you can get them right here in the U.S. Obviously, they're more expensive. Tommy, the music means we both got to go, but I appreciate it. Thank you for your kind words and tuning into the show as always. I appreciate it, and especially thank you for the call. Folks, we're coming right back with your calls and more. We're going to Montana, Arkansas, Pittsburgh, Connecticut, and more. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. One of the best ways to prevent a terrorist attack in the United States is stop letting terrorists in at the southern border. That is Senator Ted Cruz uh, in a conversation we had about an hour and a half ago uh, discussing what's going on in the southern border. And like he said, one of the best ways to stop terrorism in this country is to stop letting them in at the border. And we have found that a number of people that are on the terrorist watch list got in. And that's not acceptable. Let's go to Joe Salem, Arkansas, K-S-A-R. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich, uh, a question and then a comment. 
Have uh, have have you heard of the eighty some thousand IRS agents been implemented yet? Uh, I haven't. I did hear that we we tried to get rid of them and then they failed on getting rid of them and they're going to get them. Well, I've heard from pundits and others that uh, this job of rounding up millions of illegals are is going to be uh, impossible for Trump, even if he gets in. I disagree with that because uh, you know. Why not uh, executive order when he gets in? It's the only way it's going to happen. Uh, to implement them for the clerical and the vetting and while uh, the state militias and National Guard and the posse comitatus of the counties and even the military, because uh, it's not violating the Posse Comitatus Act if we're under invasion. Yeah, listen, I'm with you. I think... Um and first of all, I think you can pretty much do that, right? You have the Federal Protective Service, which is like a federal police SWAT team type of thing. And um, the, the president can use those people to do what he needs to do in a number of things. Um, that's number one. And they're federal. Then you have, um, and they're available. It's how he cleared out the, um, the park, the Lafayette Park, when they had all the rioters and they set the church on fire. Uh, but on top of that, yeah, these new IRS agents, uh, a number of them are armed, right? Matter of fact, a couple of them killed each other or one killed another uh, because they're not really trained as law enforcement, but they were given law enforcement power. And I, I saw, I don't know if it's still available online, but I saw the actual job description. And I've, you know, I, I, I've seen police job descriptions in the past and it never says, you know, the, the ability to shoot and kill. And that's what this thing said in, in its, um, in its job description. I found that so odd that a, uh, a tax collection agency would have, um, you know, a federal agent position with the words, you know, the ability to shoot and kill as part of, uh, as part of it. And, uh, very, very odd, very strange, but you're right, Joe, we should use those 80,000 IRS agents to help, uh, stem the tide of illegal immigration at the border. And the number one thing we've got to do is stop inviting people into the country. And, and that's, I'll, I won't back down from that stance because Biden is making it incredibly appealing, appetizing, and inviting to come to this country. Kamala Harris said in one speech, and we played it, you know, um, uh, on, on radio and television and on the internet, you hear her saying, don't come. But in reality, everything he's doing says come and come fast because, you know, the, the gravy train might run out. And, and that's what has to stop first. We've got to stop Biden. I think you get rid of Biden, the border might close itself. Joe, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody in Arkansas, Salem, Arkansas, K-S-A-R. Let us continue. Let's go to the other side of uh, the country. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA, America's oldest radio station, where uh, great, uh, great program director there at KDKA. I know him personally from my WABC days, Dave Labrosi. Uh, we used to call him Luca Brazzi. Dave, big shout out to you. And let's go to Jim. Jim is in Pittsburgh listening on KDKA. Go right ahead. Hey, doing rich. Great show. Hey, that's Thank a swamp you. bill. I'm, I, I, that's a swamp bill. I, oh, I sure. agree with Cruz. You know, here's what he said. I heard him say this the other night. Look, all they're doing is swamp. I'm talking about Mitch McConnell and Langford, the rhinos. Okay. Mm-hmm. All you got to do by executive order, that's what Trump did. You don't need all this garbage. They're repackaging the bill, aid to Ukraine, uh, Israel, and stuff like that. They're normalizing 5000 a day. Do the math. It's $1.8 Come on. You're legalizing it. All yeah. you got to do 
Holman made it great. I, I think it's Tom Holman or whatever. Yeah, Tom Holman. He was Holman. the ice director under. Yeah, he hit the nail on the head. He goes, look, he's, he, he went back to 1984. He said the border was the most secure under Trump going back to the second term of Reagan. Reagan's second term started in 1984. This is a swamp bill. Don't ever, you don't play with the devil. Amen to that, Jim. I think you're 100% right, and I couldn't have said it any better myself. We can't trust um, our enemies. We can't trust tr uh, China, Russia, um, any any of our enemies, right, because they're all trying to get in at the southern border, and they're getting in. And we definitely can't trust Biden and anybody that is willing to work with him on this bill. And th that's clear as day. So I think if you're, if you're for this bill, and Lankford seems to really go hard for this bill, really going hard, it's going to hurt him. It's going to hurt him because people uh, don't have the short memories that he thinks they do. They do. People have very short memories. But on stuff like this, this is stuff that is transcending a lot of lines. You find a young black man. You find a young Hispanic man. You find an old Hispanic man, an old black man, an old white man, an old white woman. Right. Uh, you find an Asian. You, you, there's it doesn't matter who you are. Most people are concerned with what's going on at the border. A and that's that's just a fact. And anybody that's supporting the the continued uh, flow at the border is going to be suspicious to most Americans. And it's it's just ultimately not going to work. It may take time, but people aren't going to buy it for much longer. Jim, great point. Big shout out to everybody on KDKA. And let's see, where do we go from here? We continue. I want to go to my buddy Frank. He's in Evergreen, Montana. Frank on KOFI. What's up, Frank? Hi, Rich. <clears throat> I wanted to talk about... Hmm. What I feel about the psychological profile of Biden, I believe he's a devout atheist with a superiority complex. And uh, the only time he does go to church is if it's the social event of the season to attend a funeral. He uh, And the only time he prays is after a speech to say, God bless, but he doesn't mean it. Yeah, All right. he always says, uh, God bless our troops. Yeah, listen, I, I agree with you. I, I think Biden is a very classic example of of, uh, of an astroturf retail politician, a machine politician that that just he, he understands how the grimy system works and he makes it work for his advantage. He's not in it for the people. You know, I think most politicians get in for the people and they change. They learn the game and the game is a part of it. But I think Biden got into it for the game. <laughs> I don't think he was ever for the people. And it's so evident in the way he moves. You watch how Biden moves, and it's very, very clear he's in this for himself. He's in this for power. He's in this to enrich himself and his family at your cost. You, the taxpayer, you, the American, you, the single mom, you, the retiree, you that's out there working every single day to pay for every one of these blunders and mistakes and miscalculations that Joe El Baboso Biden is doing. And that has to stop. Frank in Evergreen, Montana. Big shout out to you on KOFI. Everybody keep it locked. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
Mr. Valdez, you have one of the greatest shows that radio has ever had. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. We're getting to you, all of your opinions. We've got Jane in Saratoga, New York on WGDJ. Jane, go right ahead. Hey, Rich. Okay, you were talking about the mafia. Okay, uh, we won't use that word. I'm Sicilian. I grew up in a political connected family. And um, it was very interesting. And my Aunt Dolly, one of the best moments of her life, she was an interior decorator. There's an inland waterway along Biscayne Boulevard where many connected people live. And um, Al Capone, when he got out of prison, went home and they called and asked if she would come and decorate his home for him. Wow. So she went there. And uh, she was there for a day, and um, I remember her coming home, and she, I said, so how's it going, Aunt Dolly? She said, I'll tell you what. She said, if that punk ever lays a hand on me, and that's the way she talked. She said, I'll rip his fingers off, okay? And so <laughs> the next day, she just quit. She said, no. She said, he hit on anything that moved. And so uh, it was kind of cool. I mean, I'd be in school, and there'd be threats called in, and they'd, bodyguards would come and get me, and with the other political people, we'd be sent off to an island with bodyguards. And uh, and my well, daddy... Star Island? Like one of the islands there uh, in Biscayne? Out off of Homestead, there was a, an island out past, you know, three miles out. Yeah. Wow. And we'd just stay there. Yeah, it was crazy. It was really... A very interesting life. <laughs> and, and, and you decided to become a shrink and help others. I, I get it now. I get it. There, there was a lot to deal with. Interesting stories, Jane. What a life. Uh, thank you for the call. Big shout out to Jane in Saratoga, New York, WGDJ. Yeah, you never, you know, it's funny what the, what our guest was saying that somewhere, somehow somebody, you know, is related or affected by the mob and uh, live in proof right there. Let us continue from New York. We go back to Montana. Let's go to Al calling us on KOFI out of Kalispell. Go right ahead, Al. Hey, Rich. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. And um, with the illegal aliens, one thing I don't understand is why are we not DNA swabbing them? Yeah, Have I think a you're database right. database build. I'm sorry. We should. I think you're right. We should. I mean, there's for a while they were giving these ankle bracelets that they were clearly just ripping off. And then they came up with the idea of uh, having them self-report on an app. And I think the reason we don't collect DNA is because, quite frankly, they don't want to know who these people are because they have no intention. This is why it's a whole system they have. And they everybody gets rid of their passport right before they cross the border. They keep their passport until they get past a certain point. Because then once they want to blend into America and they don't want to be that person anymore. I wouldn't be surprised if the cartel charges them to get them across and then charges them again for a, a fake identity and, and whatever, an identity theft, fraud, whatever, and gets them, you know, somebody, you know, um, here in the States that, that, you know, maybe somebody who died or somebody who knows, right? But uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. 
And I think the reason that they don't do any of those things is simple. They don't want to. They don't want, they just want people to come in, keep coming in, say you are whoever you are, get a driver's license, become a citizen and vote, vote, vote and build the Democrat Party because they're deathly afraid that this orange man bad that is a threat to democracy is doing as well as he is and that there's people that otherwise would be considered intelligent people actually like this man. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, we're losing half the country. Half the country are MAGA extremists. Ah, what are we going to do? That's why they don't do it. Al in Kalispell on KOFI, thank you for the call. Big shout out to everybody listening in uh, Montana tonight. Let us continue back to the other side of the country. Gary, Richfield, Connecticut, WLAD, great station. Gary, what's going on, my man? Hey, uh, hey, Mr. Valdez, good, good talking to you. Excellent show tonight. Thank you. And um, I, I always enjoy listening to Doc from Wilmington. I, yeah, I, me too. I have to say, I think he's my, my, my favorite of your, of your regulars. Yeah, um, him, Gil, I, Gil in the Philippines, and uh, yeah, and a couple he's others. good too. Yeah, I, I, actually, there's a lot of uh, good others. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of at the beginning of your show, you mentioned uh, the fact that um, that Mexico has become the leading Im- importer of goods into yeah. the United States. I wanted I wanted to read you uh, two uh, uh, sentences from this article that I just read. Yeah. Uh, scores of scores of major Chinese companies are investing aggressively in Mexico. Yep. Chinese firms are establishing factories that allow them to label their goods made in Mexico, then trucking their products into the United States duty-free. So there's a little insight for you. You know where else they do that? They do it in Vietnam and India. This is China's play. They've been doing this for a while. And and this is why I know that this is how they're getting the fentanyl in one way or another. Uh, because this is their total M.O. They just they want to own everything they can. They're in the canal zone in Panama and they want to be everywhere. And they've even tried to um, uh, make multiple attempts to purchase uh, waterfront property in Puerto Rico. Uh, at first, they said they wanted to open a water park. Then they said they were going to uh, provide port security, uh, obviously, you know, putting their own, um, you know, quasi military I- individuals right on the water in Puerto Rico. And, and that's crazy, right? Just literally in American territory, uh, a bad move. It's a bad move for all these things. And this is where I think you need a guy like Trump. Trump pays attention to these things. And he would say, look, that's too close to home for us. We don't like it, but you're free and you're sovereign. You do you. Here's what we're going to do. If you keep coming to, if you keep taking China in and doing whatever, no problem. We're going to do another tariff or we're going to do this or we're going to do that. I mean, the last threat he made got him the remain in Mexico policy. And the threat was, I don't want to have to label you as a narco terrorist state. But if you do, then I don't need the DHS. I can use the military to defend against you because now you're a narco terrorist state that's threatening our country. And uh, that went a long way, that threat. It got us the Remain in Mexico policy, which drastically reduced illegal immigration at the southern border. So I, I think you're, you're right when you when you point this out. Brilliant point, Gary. You just made your way onto that list, right, of, of Pat in Sedona and, and Gill in the Philippines and Doc in Delaware. Um, and now it's Gary in, in Connecticut because a very good point. You're right. That's that is China's M.O. to to get into everything that they can get into. I appreciate the call. Big shout out to you guys at WLAD. I got to hit a pause here. We're coming right back. This is America at 
night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, it's the speed round. We're wrapping up with our callers from right in the center of the country. We've got Akron, Ohio, Albany, New York, Bedford, Indiana. Let's go to Sarah calling from WBIW. Sarah, what's on your mind? Oh, you got a great call, uh, call screen. You already mentioned a book called Speaking American about uh, regional colloquialisms. And on that note, when I mm-hmm. first moved to Indiana in the late 80s, people would call green bell peppers mangoes. People 15 yeah. older. And you try to say, hey, a mango is a fruit, and that's a bell pepper. And they go, well, well, yeah, there's bell peppers, but these, these are mangoes. And uh, <laughs> that generation is sadly passing on, but I thought that was really funny. So uh, That is funny because I, I like green bell peppers. I, I also uh, like mangoes. And, uh, you know, you ask for a mango smoothie, and you get a green bell pepper smoothie. Ay, bendito. I don't know if I'd like that. Sarah, I appreciate the call. Big shout-out to you in uh, Bedford, Indiana, on WBIW. Always a good call with you. And let us continue. Let's go to Ben, Akron, Ohio, W-N-I-R. Ben, what's on your mind? Rich, how are you doing tonight? Good, thank you. Hey, I just wanted to say I am so looking forward to Donald Trump being back in office. No attacks on any one of our allies or American soil, am I right? Yeah, listen, I, I mean, well, he blew up Soleimani and he uh, he got al-Baghdadi. Uh, but we didn't have any new wars. We didn't expand the wars. He started the framework for the pullout of Afghanistan pending certain conditions, which weren't met. So he never pulled out. But Biden went and jumped the gun on that. And let me tell you, Ben, he really screwed the pooch, as they say, really made things worse. Thirteen Americans died there. Another three the other day. Two Navy SEALs last week. I mean, the, the, the trail, the body count is is um, more than it needs to be, obviously. And uh, I think Biden has blood on his hands because of his ineptitude or his complicity. Either way, it's not acceptable. So thank you for your call, Ben. I appreciate it. Akron, Ohio in the building. W-N-I-R. Linda in Albany, New York. The music means I got to go, so I'll try and get you tomorrow. But big shout out to everybody in Albany on WGDJ, New York in the house. And that means I'm here tomorrow. Until the next time, hasta la próxima. Take care. Good night. And God bless you, America. I'm Rich Valdez. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.